All right. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to have you with us today. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Tyson, one of the pastors here at the church on the team. And we're grateful that you have taken some time out of your Sunday to be present and be with us today. Um, in 2011, I was working at a summer camp on, on uh, Christopher Lake, which is in northern Saskatchewan. Any Saskatchewan fans out there? No, okay. A couple, okay. It's quiet because you're in this place now and not having to deal with Saskatchewan winter, but that's okay. You don't want to make too, too much of a big deal of it. And I was working that summer as a program coordinator at the camp, which meant I kind of organized some skills and activities. And that summer, we had a massive storm that hit Saskatchewan. And there was high-speed winds and a tornado actually touched down right near the camp. And uh, in the morning, I went to kind of look at the damage and look at what was going on. And there was a tree that was massive like this that had snapped in half in the boys' cabin area. And the tree fell down the only way that it wouldn't hit one of the cabins. Thank you, Lord. That was wild. And so we kept walking around and looking at the damage, and there was trees broken everywhere. And in the aftermath, it was incredible to witness the power of the tornado. Massive trees all over the road snapped in half, and we had to use some chainsaws to kind of clear the path so that vehicles could get through again. And while we were cleaning up, our maintenance person was cutting one of the trees down that was broken in half, and I didn't see that it was under tension because it was leaning against another tree. And so when the, the maintenance person cut the base of the tree, the tree, because it was under tension, just whipped up like this and snapped. And a tree that was about the size of my waist went right beside my face, and I felt the wind of that tree go by me. In a moment, I realized something was incredibly powerful. <laughs> a few inches to, the, to closer, and I probably wouldn't be here today. And just like that, I felt the power of something much bigger than myself and how grateful I was to the Lord for protecting me. I went for a nice long walk after that. And the power of that tree falling and the force that it had reminded me that there are many things in our world that have immense power today. Have you ever experienced a moment like that where you came into contact with something and you realized just how powerful it was? Uh, maybe it's going out in the ocean and you see a whale. Uh, Pastor Levi and a few guys from the church like to go free diving. And recently they were out and they experienced uh, some orcas swimming right by them. And Pastor Levi just said he just felt the water start to move past him. And then he realized that there was an orca whale right in their presence. Uh, maybe when you think about power, you don't think about nature, but you think about technology. Uh, the, the most powerful computer in the world right now is called the Frontier Supercomputer. And one of the ways that they measure how powerful a computer is, is in a unit called flops. And what this really breaks down to is how fast it can solve simple calculations. And so the average human being with a pen and a paper can solve your kind of typical addition question at about a speed, a speed of one flop. So that's one per, per second. What do you think the speed of this supercomputer is? Any guesses? A hundred? Keep going. Keep going. The answer is two quintillion calculations per second. That's two with 18 zeros after it. Just a little bit faster than us with a piece of paper, hey? Or maybe when it comes to thinking about something as powerful that's moved you, maybe it's not nature or technology. Maybe it's a piece of art or a song. I've actually had the chance to witness one of these two pieces of art in person, and it's amazing when you just stop and stand 
in, in the presence of a good piece of art, how it's powerful and it can move you. Or maybe when you think about power, some of you, maybe this is where your mind goes, just to someone like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Come on, young Arnie had it going on, didn't he? Which, as a brief aside, Jingle All the Way is an underrated Christmas movie. If you have not seen it, Arnold is on a mission to get a Turbo Time doll for his son. And Sinbad's the bad guy. You gotta go watch this movie today. Great movie. That's an aside, though. Now back to the message. I don't know how I'm going to segue off that, but here we go. When we think about power, we may have different answers for what comes to our mind. We may have kind of an idea or an imagination about what comes to power. But the Apostle Paul, in the text that we're going to look at today, wants to talk about power and suggest that there's something even more powerful than anything we have talked about this morning or anything we maybe even thought about this morning when it comes to power. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want to encourage you to turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Um, Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to be reading verses 19 to 23. Uh, Just as a reminder, this portion of Scripture is actually the Apostle Paul praying over the Ephesian church and he, he's praying over the audience that's going to receive his letter. And so Pastor Sean actually started our doctrine series by looking at this portion of Scripture in verses 15 to 19. And so we're picking up on that today as we end chapter 1 of Ephesians. So if you don't have your Bibles with you, it'll be on the screens for you to read along with me today. The Apostle Paul says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. And every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Would you pray with me as we've read uh, God's word together? Father, thank you so much for this portion of scripture. And I pray, Lord, today what Paul prayed for the Ephesian church back then would be true of us that you would open up our eyes to see today, Lord. That you would open up our hearts to receive what you want us to see, Lord. And that we would know and understand the power that you have today. And So God, thank you for this time together. Thank you for each person who's with us. And we just pray that we would be open to what you want to speak in the moments ahead. In your name we pray, amen. So in that portion of scripture, what does the apostle Paul pray for? The first thing that we see that he prays for is that the eyes of their hearts and our hearts would be enlightened. Now, how many people in the room today uh, are like me, that if you're not wearing contacts or glasses, you are basically useless? That's me. I, have you ever seen the movie A Knight's Tale before? The Thatcher's like mending the nets. That would be me. I cannot see hardly any, any distance in front of me without my glasses or contacts in. It's funny. I, I'm in tune with this every single night when my wife is like trying to show me something on her phone before we go to bed. And if I don't have my contacts in, I just say, I don't have eyes right now. I'm sorry. I can't see. And this is exactly what the, Paul, the Apostle Paul is saying is our problem as well. We can't see. 
We need God to open up our heart and the eyes of our heart so that we can see things for how they actually are. When I put my glasses on, it's amazing how much clearer things get. And that is the Apostle Paul's prayer for us, that we would see a few things more clearly. And in this passage, there are three that he specifically mentions. The first is that we may know the hope for which he has called us. The second is that we may know the riches of his glorious inheritance. And the third is that we may know his incomparably great power for those who believe. Over the course of this series, looking at Ephesians chapter 1, we have talked a lot about the hope that he has called us to. We've talked about how we have been forgiven, how we have been redeemed, how Jesus has made the way for us. We've also talked about over the last few weeks the inheritance that we have received. Paul is trying to help us to see that there are riches available in Christ. And last week we talked about how the Holy Spirit is just a down payment or a deposit of those riches and that great inheritance. And so today we're going to turn our attention to the third thing that Paul prays for, is our eyes to be opened to the incomparably great power for those who believe. Now the reason why this is important for the Ephesian church is that Ephesus was a place of power. Power is one of the great themes of the book of Ephesians. And this is partly because Ephesus was one of the main centers and main cities in that time. It was a hub for trade and religion and a major part of the Roman Empire. First, it was a hub for religious power. There were all sorts of cults and beliefs that focused on power. It had one of the largest temples in the ancient world and was one of the, the, the wonders of the world at that time, the temple to Artemis or Diana. Diana. And the people of Ephesians were a very religious and spiritual people. They would use magic or incantations to try to sway or to control the gods so that things would happen in their favor. They would try to influence people and events to gain wealth or health or prestige or honor for themselves. And they were gods for all sorts of things. If you knew the right name to call on or the right words to say, you could leverage their power for your life. Alongside this, they were a part of the Roman Empire, one of the most powerful empires in human history. And the leader of that empire, Caesar, saw himself as a godlike character. He called himself Lord and God, and he demanded that citizens of the empire would go to temples, take a pinch of incense, and throw it on the altar to say, Caesar is Lord. As long as you said that, you could basically believe whatever you wanted, but as long as you recognized that Caesar was the highest authority, that he was the most powerful, that was the most important thing. And power was all around Paul as he was writing these words, economic power, spiritual power, and political power. And yet Paul says there is a power that is far above all others, the power of Jesus. N.T. Wright puts it this way, for Paul, the greatest display of power the world had ever seen took place when God raised Jesus from the dead. This is what Paul was saying. There might be other powers out there, but when Jesus rose from the dead, that is actually the most powerful thing in the universe. And as a reminder, where does Paul write these, these words from? He writes them from a prison cell. He writes these waiting his trial where he's going to go before Caesar and he could possibly lose his life. So let, let's just let this be an encouragement for us today. Paul is praying that the eyes of your heart would be opened to the fact that the most important location you find yourself in today is being in Christ. 
Being in Christ changes every other location that we are in. Paul is sitting in a jail cell where his circumstances did not say that Jesus was the most powerful thing in the universe, the most powerful person in the universe, but he still had the eyes to see that being in Christ was the most important location for his life. And it changed his perspective. You can be in all sorts of other circumstances that may look dark and bleak, but Paul prays that your eyes would be open to the primary location that you are in, which is being in Christ. The way that Daryl Johnson in his commentary on this sums it up is that Paul is praying for us to have an alternate reading of reality. Yes, there are powerful things around us in this world, But Paul prays that we would see, going back to that passage, the power that is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Can you hear it in Paul's language? He is saying there is might, there is power, there is strength, there is working. He's almost trying to find the words to explain how powerful God is when he raised Jesus from the dead. And he builds on this by saying he is seated above every rule, authority, power, dominion, and every name that can be invoked. Now we need to note something really important here. The words that Paul uses referring to authorities, powers, dominions, and every name that is being invoked do refer to human beings in the rest of Scripture. But they are also used in reference for spiritual beings as well. Spiritual rulers, authorities, powers, and dominions. At the end of his letter to Ephesians in chapter 6, Paul uses the terms in this way. He says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, meaning only humans, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul has an alternate reading of reality. And he's saying that there are spiritual forces at work in our world today that we may not see with our eyes. So let's just pause for a moment. How do we handle when Paul says this? I don't know if you've noticed this today, but our culture is all over the place when it comes to the spiritual side of life, is it not? We have some people on the one hand, and they may be sitting listening to Paul say this, and they go, Paul, that's nice that you think that, but we've evolved a long way from believing in superstitious and myths like this. We have a way more scientific way of understanding the world, and there's, there's no such thing as spiritual beings or demons or angels. That kind of stuff doesn't exist, because if I can't quantifiably see it and, and measure it, it doesn't exist. And on the other hand, we have people in our culture today that are fascinated with the spiritual side of life. The psychic industry, for instance, is a multi-million dollar industry every year. And there are many today, especially in our culture in Victoria, who are interested in the New Age movement and crystals and things that can get them in touch with the spiritual side of life. And when you say that there are spiritual beings out there to people like that, they say, of course there are. And so we live in Victoria in this weird gray area that's not completely rational and scientific, but also not completely open to the spiritual. We live in this weird gray area, and each person that you come across could fall into one of those two camps or a mix of those things. So how do we deal with Paul here and the rest of the New Testament when he talks about spiritual powers being at work? 
Do we write them off as primitive myths that we know better now? Or do we focus on the spiritual realm and believe that everything is caused by one spirit or another? And to that question, I want to suggest to us today that Paul believed in spiritual beings and he wants us to believe that they are real too. I know that might not be the most popular thing to say in 2023, but Paul believed that spiritual beings were real and he wants us to believe that they are real too. And this is really important because so much confusion can be done away with if we simply have our eyes opened to this reality. If we embrace Scripture's view of reality being both spiritual and physical, it can change the game for us. And one person who is really helpful in this space is Dr. Walter Wink. He developed a really simple equation that will hopefully bring clarity about the powers in our world. And he says this, P equals O plus I. The powers that are at work in our world have an O, an outward human element, and they have an I, an inward spiritual dimension. What he's saying is that the problems that we face in our world today have behind them human elements, and there are human things that we can see and, and experience. But he says that there's also a spiritual side of it that we maybe can't see with our natural senses. And he's saying that neither is adequate on its own. The O, the physical outer manifestation, or the I, the spiritual component, to fully explain things on its own. The powers that we come up against have an outer manifestation, but also an inner spirituality. And Dr. Wink continues in saying this, as the inner aspect of material reality, the spiritual powers are everywhere around us. Their presence is real and inescapable. The issue is not whether we believe in them, but whether we can learn to identify our actual everyday encounters with them, what Paul called discerning the spirits. The powers, whether benign or satanic, always consist of an outer visible form. Constitutions, judges, armies, leaders, buildings, and an inner invisible spirit that provides its legitimacy, credibility, and clout. Wink then speaks specifically to us in the West, and he says this, we in the West are so individualistic that we have ceased to regard corporate entities as anything more than the mere aggregate of their parts. But an institution is more than the sum of its visible parts. Our incapacity to recognize the spirituality of institutions has left us tinkering with their parts while ignoring their essence. I'm suggesting, in short, that the spiritual and material aspects of the powers are inseparable but distinguishable components of a single thing. Power in its manifestations in the world, P equals O plus I. I don't know if you've seen this around us today, but there are many problems that we have in our world today. There are powers that we come up against. And what he is arguing, and what I believe the Apostle Paul is arguing, is that there are both physical realities and spiritual realities to those problems. A great example from Scripture to this reality is, is how Jesus talks about money. Jesus in Matthew 6 says this, No one can serve two masters, for he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. And Daryl Johnson sums it up, putting it this way, and I thought it was so good. He says, money, coins, mere metal, bills, mere paper, right? Debit cards, credit cards, mere plastic, right? 
bank buildings, vaults, employees just trying to make a living, advertisements, monetary policies, boards of directors, the O, the outer visible manifestations of mammon, and the I, the inner spiritual dynamics at work, a real force, a real power, a God, if you will, who wants to be Lord of our lives, seeking to keep us captive. This is why Jesus spoke so much about money. It is not a neutral player in our lives or in the world. P equals O plus I. What, what, what he's saying here is that when it comes to money, when it comes to financial markets collapsing, when it comes to institutions being greedy, we can try and focus on those institutions and say they're greedy, they're corrupt, they're trying to have predatory strategies on, on preying on people who can't afford things. And if we only focus on the institutions, if we only focus on the systems, we are missing half the story. There's an animating source, a spiritual element behind that is also seeking to be Lord of our lives when it comes to money. Money in and of itself can be used for good, and there are great bankers and great people in the financial industry out there, but there's also a reason why money is one of the biggest struggles for people today. People can live their whole lives in pursuit of it, thinking that if they have more money, it would be the, the solution to their problems, and people can live in debt up to their eyeballs, thinking that that will solve their problems too. Jesus is saying that there is a force that he refers to as mammon that wants us to worship and give our lives towards the pursuit of money, and that is not a neutral thing. Another exam example of this P equals O plus I from Scripture is the crucifixion of Jesus. On one level, it was Caiaphas, the high priest, and it was Pilate, the Roman governor, who were responsible for Jesus' death. That is the O level, the outer manifestation level. But on another level, there was a spiritual force behind that seeking to influence the situation and to crucify Jesus. Spirits influencing the religious and the political towards the death and destruction of Jesus. This is the I level. And I know that this is kind of a bit heavy. I know this is a lot to talk about. We're talking about powers and principalities and darkness and all this stuff in our world. But this is why it's so important for us to understand today. And why the Apostle Paul prays for our eyes to be open to this. And if, you, if you've tuned out, if you've fallen asleep, wake up for just one moment. If we get the diagnosis wrong, we will get the cure wrong too. If we think the problems that we come up against are just physical, just the person who's opposing me, just the situation or the system that is unjust, if we think all of those things are just physical, we will label other people as enemies and think that they are the problem. And if we just get rid of so-and-so, that will fix everything. On the flip side, if we think that everything is just spiritual, we can hold prayer meeting after prayer meeting and miss that there are opportunities to do justice and to bring peace right in front of us every single day. Justice matters to God and he cares about his physical world, not just the spiritual aspects of it. And that's why we need an awareness of both of those things, the physical realities and also the spiritual realities that can be at work in a situation. That's why we need justice and caring for those in need and prayer meetings. It is not a one or the other. We need both. And that's why we need to ask for wisdom to discern whether we are dealing with a power in a situation that is an O, an outer reality of it, or an I, an inner spirituality, or some combination of the two. 
To put it another way, when we see reality this way, we can address systems and structures and also the spirit behind them. It is not just addressing systems and structures of injustice and corporations and people in power. It's also addressing the spirit behind them as well. And we are called to see both because both are often at work in situations. And while it's important we have an awareness of this reality, an awareness that there is a spiritual side of life, this is not actually the focus of the passage we read. The focus is not on the powers. The focus is on the fact that Jesus is more powerful than any human or spiritual authority, power, or dominion. Again, back to Paul's words, the power that is the same that raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything. Whether it's spiritual or human in authority, God is over all of those things, and everything is under the feet of King Jesus today, church. He is seated. I don't know if you caught that. It's not a struggle. He is seated on his throne and everything is under his feet. He is the most powerful person in the universe and all things are under him. All authority has been given to Jesus. He is above all. And that is what the Apostle Paul is praying that our eyes would see today. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is the most powerful thing in the universe. That's why Paul can write this sitting in a jail cell. He knows the power that is available to him in Christ. He knows that Jesus has defeated death and is victorious. He knows that if his life goes towards death, he wins because he gets to be with Jesus. And he's praying that the eyes of our hearts would realize and live in the victory over the powers that Jesus has accomplished through his death and his resurrection. In a time right now where our world feels uncertain, where it feels like things are getting worse, I want to remind us again, church, this morning, Jesus is seated on the throne in power and authority. Amen? Not only that, but the power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you today. This power that raised Jesus from the dead and will one day transform the whole world so that there will be no more death, no more sickness, no more decay, no more sadness is not just available in the future. It is available right here, right now for us today. So how do we live in that victory today, church? How do we live in the victory that has already been won? The first thing is we need to remember who's in authority. As Pastor Sean reminded us a few weeks ago, Jesus is the head. And if you haven't seen that before, go back and watch the message. Pastor Sean was playing with dolls and it was hilarious. But he was putting the head back on saying, Jesus is the head. Is Jesus the head of your life? He is the one who is in authority. We are not the one who is the head. We are the body today. No matter what person you may come up against who's in a position of authority, whether it's a boss, a parent, a prime minister of our country, a premier of our province, you may think that they are powerful, but Jesus is the head over all of those things and all of those people. And one of the reasons why we struggle today is we forget and we, we don't remember who is in authority. This is why we need to come back to scripture time and time again to allow our imaginations to be steeped in the truth that Jesus is an authority. 
And Paul is praying and hoping that our eyes will be opened to the fact that there is another reality present right here, right now, where Jesus is sitting on his throne. That is not just one day, it is right now, today. And the Bible reminds us of this victory and helps us to live in that reality. And this is what Paul knew, and it's why he could write these words, even in a situation that looked dark and hopeless. When we remember who's in authority, it changes our perspective. Jesus is the most powerful person in the universe, and we need to remember that. The second way that we live in that victory is to remember you are under authority, so use your authority wisely. How did Jesus use his power? Well, Philippians chapter 2 is a masterclass on this. It says this, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Right in the middle, Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not use his power, his authority for his own gain, but laid down his power to serve. That is the Jesus that we follow today. That is the one that we are under his authority today. Whatever power and authority we may have in this world is under his authority and we look to his example to lead us and to use authority. That's how we are called to use whatever power, whatever authority we have today to serve, to give of ourselves to others. There are ways that we can use everything that we have been given to honor Jesus today. We just need to look to him as our example and remember how he used his authority. We've been given authority by Jesus and we are still under his authority. And this leads me to the last thing that I want to encourage us with today as we wrap up. Walk in the authority that you have been given. As we've talked about today, Jesus is the head and we are his body. What that means is that the authority, the power over the powers and the principalities that he has, he's also given to you today as his body. As we mentioned earlier, Paul is praying that we would know the hope, the inheritance, and the power available to you. There is power available to you today, church. Do you believe that? Do you believe that there is power that's actually available to you, not just one day being raised again, but the power that raised Jesus from the dead through the Holy Spirit is living in you right now? The authority that Jesus gave to his disciples when he sent them out lives in you. You are his disciples and his followers and the Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you. And here is why this matters so much. When you feel harassed, when you feel bothered by the enemy and his minions, you can do what Jesus did. Tell them to get lost. When Jesus came across them, read it in the scriptures. What does he do? He tells them to go. We don't have to be super superstitious and, and think it's always weird. He just tells them to leave and they leave. You can do that too. You are a child of the king today. And when you come up against something that tries to get in your way from the dark spiritual realm, you can tell it to leave it in the name of Jesus. And this is one of the things that Lindsay and I are trying to teach our son, Bo, from a young age. During Halloween, Bo was scared of all the spooky things, is what he said. 
we would go into Costco and they would have these decorations out and he wouldn't want to go down those aisles. And we would drive down certain streets and he would know which ones had the spooky decorations. And he was starting to wake up with some nightmares. And Lindsay is such an awesome mom. She just kept reminding him, if you are scared of the spooky things, you can tell them to leave in Jesus' name. And one night as we were getting ready for bed and about to pray, Bo just said it without being prompted. I don't have to be scared. Spooky things you leave in Jesus' name. He's two. And he gets that. And that is the truth and power that is available to you today, church. That is the authority that you have been given. You have been given authority as as the king's child today to tell the darkness to leave. You do not have to be scared of whatever you may come up against. Now, I'm not saying that you go around looking for spiritual powers or that everything down to stubbing your toe has a spiritual component to it. But the situations that you may face this week could have a spiritual component to them. And when you sense that there is something more that is at work, you have been given authority as the body of Christ to tell it to leave because you are in Christ. It's not by your might or by your power, but by what Jesus has done for you and being in Christ that you have been given authority today. When you feel tempted to sin, tell whatever is bothering you to get lost. The reality is that when we come up against spiritual beings, they are there. But Paul doesn't want us to be ignorant of this. But their existence is not the focus. The focus is that they have been defeated by Jesus already and they are under his feet. You do not have to be fearful of whatever spirits are out there. They have been defeated by Jesus and they know that today, church. Whatever may be there is defeated and under Christ's authority. Jesus is in power and nothing, no name, no authority, no power can touch him. They are all under his feet today. And as you head into this week, church, my encouragement to you today is walk in the authority and the power that you have been given. Jesus wants you to know that that power and that authority is available right here, right now. Not just in the future. Walk in that power and authority this week. Would you pray with me this morning? Jesus, I thank you that today You want our eyes to be opened to these realities, just like Paul prayed over the Ephesian church. You want our eyes to be open to the hope that we have in you. You want our eyes to be open to the rich inheritance that we have in you. And you want our eyes to be open to the power that is available in you today. Lord, we believe that in our world there are dark spiritual forces, that there are things that are at work that we will come up against. But we do not have to be fearful because Jesus, you have already defeated them. You are seated in power and authority and no name, no power, no dominion can touch you. They are all under your feet. And so today, Lord, as those who are in you, we say, give us eyes to see that reality. Give us eyes to see that you are right now seated on your throne. Open up our hearts to remember that when we get into challenging circumstances this week when we feel like there is an enemy trying to attack us and trying to bother us this week, remind us of the authority that we've been given that we can tell him to leave in the name of Jesus. So God, today, thank you so much for each person who's joined us in person and online. 
And would you help us to remember that you are an authority? Would you help us to walk in that authority this week? Because you, Jesus, are the most powerful person in the whole universe. In your name, Jesus, we pray all these things. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks, church, so much for being here with us today. If you're brand new, uh, Pastor James is over in our Welcome Center, and he'd love to meet you. Um, If you're brand new to following Jesus and you want to know more about what following Jesus is all about, well, crazy week for you to join us talking about all this stuff, but... We're glad that you're here today, and we'd love for you to uh, jump into a conversation. One of our pastors would love to walk with you, so you can text the word LIFE to 250-478-7113. And uh, love your church so much, and walk in the authority that you've been given this week.